Shalom, and thank you for listening to the weekly teaching from Nachamu Ami. It's our honor that you've chosen to participate virtually, and we hope that this lesson will be an inspiration in your daily walk. Don't miss a single teaching. Be sure to download the Nachamu Ami app by visiting our website at www.makeandmessianic.com and clicking the Download the App button in the top left corner. Enjoy the message. I want to let you in on a little secret here. I kind of thought that there might be visitors here today. I did. I kind of thought that. So there's, there's something that, you know, when you're having visitors, you're really supposed to, like, dial it in. And, and you want to do everything predictable. You want to make sure that everything flows smoothly. You want it to look polished. You want to make sure that you've practiced. Nothing is out of the ordinary. You just, you want to do it that way. So what I decided to do was to do nothing like I ordinarily do. And primarily what I did was I tried a whole new method of preparing my sermon notes. I've used these crazy things called mind maps that you've, talked to, that you've heard me talk about. Thank you. I found a program online that does them. So I did my whole message mind map this way, and then I went to print it out so I'd have the notes, and here's what it looks like. So um, there's no telling what's getting ready to happen in here. Actually, what I realize so often is that I make all these perfect plans, and God comes right along and says, great plan, chuck it, let's do it my way. So that's, that's what we'll do today. Um, and, and starting out with that, I love to be confused. Yes. Kelly would say that I spend much of my life confused. That's on purpose. One thing I really love to be confused about, though, is the Bible. I love to read things that don't make sense to me. Why? It's obvious. Because then I'm forced, I can, well, I have two options. I'm not forced to do anything. I can say, that doesn't make any sense. I don't really care. Or I can create some kind of crafty new opinion and promote that to the world as being truth. Or I can invest in becoming less confused by studying the Word. And that's something that I really like to do. And speaking of confusing and back to my first point of having things perfectly in order, what I've decided today is to preach a message about confusion from the wrong Torah portion. In other words, this is the week for Tetzaveh. That's the weekly Torah portion. I was reading the wrong Torah portion. And in the process found something just so amazingly great in next week's portion that I'm going to confuse the issue and preach it this week. Is that good? Are you confused yet? Perfect. We're doing well. There are things in the Bible, if we're honest, that are confusing. There are scriptures that are confusing, and I'm not talking about the fact that they're in another language. 
okay? Hebrew, Greek, it's all Greek to me in the New Testament. I don't know much Greek. But there are, there are things that are confusing. And we know that God wouldn't want us to be confused, so that shouldn't be from Him. But as I've already said, we have to invest some time. It's not, it's not a linguistic confusion. It's what I would call a situational confusion. We find scenarios that are confusing and hard for us to really understand. And what happens in Exodus 33, next week's Torah portion, Kitisa, is one of the most confusing and yet, having studied through it this week and finding out new things, life-changing situational weirdnesses that happens in the entire Bible. Who, t- who can tell me what happens in Exodus 32? Yes, I know you haven't gotten there yet because you're reading the proper Torah portion this week. So hint, the golden calf, right? The shiny cow that Aaron takes the jewelry and throws it in and, and out pops this cow. And where's Moses? Moses is up on the mountain. He's doing what he's supposed to do. And they're down here now celebrating and dancing around this golden calf. And Moses comes down, and it is not good when he gets there. But there's a whole lot of really confusing things that then happen. There's this discussion about jewelry and the adornments of the people of Israel, and it says, they say, so we're not wearing any adorn, we're not going to wear any jewelry. And then in the next scripture, God says, now take off your jewelry. Well, I thought that already happened. Well, and so there's this book. Are we, are we in the book? Are we not in the book? Are we going to be annihilated? Are we going to be saved? Like, there's, it's, it's mass confusion in the camp, right? 3,000 people are killed, there's a lot of, of, of craziness and things that are going on there. And Moses' response is equally as confusing. Moses is the leader of Israel. He is God's guy. He is the people's guy. And in, in response to the mass confusion, anyone know what Moses does? He does that, and after he does that, he bolts. He leaves. In other words, he takes the tent outside the camp. So the people are in disarray. They're confused. They're scared. There's people being stabbed to death by Levites. There's bad stuff happening, and Moses checks out. That, to me, is confusing leadership. Of all the times, if, if we were going through a congregational crisis, God forbid, thank you, Father. We don't do that that much. If we were, and I just said, hey, guys, I'm out of here. I'm going to Destin to the beach. Not that he was at the beach, but he was away from the people. If I did that to you when we were in a crisis, you would say, not great leadership, rabbi. But that's what he does. Why? I'm confused by that. It gets more confusing though. Because what we then find is that Moses is mad. Okay, We already know that he's mad because, as Lance said, he took these beautiful luchot, these two tablets, and smashed them. 
We know he's mad. He's left. He's outside the camp. But there's, there's, there's something much more going on than Moses being mad. Moses is out here trying to do something that we all do in crisis. He's trying to find God and understand what is happening here. This is not what you said it was going to be like. This is not what I envisioned. And I want you to talk to me. So here I am out here. It's a lot more than it's a lot more than him being being mad. He's searching for answers. He is confused. He's digging, he's looking. Has anyone ever been there? Lucky you if you never have cuz 99.9% of I'm there right now half the time. Digging, looking. And so, and, and so what happens? He's, he's out here, he's looking, he's separated. Now the people see, they see what's going on and they're standing up and sitting down and that's a whole other thing. And, and it's great that I'm doing this in advance for you because next week when you are preparing for Kitisa, this is all gonna be in your mind. You're gonna be reading the Parsha. Ah, that's it. But here's what happens in Exodus 33. Now, after this week, truly one of my favorite chapters in the Torah and the Bible altogether. Moses said to Hashem, See, you say to me, take this people onward. But, how many people have ever said that to God? I think, God, I know you want me to do this, but... Bottom line, if you strip everything else away and that, when that phrase, when that sentence takes place, the next thing that's going to come after but with all layers stripped away is, I don't want to. Just put that in your memory bank. God, I know you're telling me to do this, but I don't want to. Okay? But that's not actually what Moses says. He says, see, you say to me, he's talking to God, you say to me, take the people onward, but you didn't inform me who you'll send with me. And what you had said, past tense, I shall know you by name, and you've also found favor in my eyes. And now, if I have indeed found favor in my eyes, in your eyes, because the truth of the matter is, I'm not really sure I believe you right now, make your way known to me, so that I may comprehend your I shall find favor in your eyes, but see that this nation is your people. And God goes on to say, my presence will go and provide you rest. He said, if your presence doesn't, so he's having this whole discussion. Why? What is he trying to do? Well, he says it this way. God said to Moses, even this thing of which you spoke, I shall do for you. You have found favor in my eyes, and I have known you by name. And Moses says, we sang the song today, and Jasmine did a beautiful job of singing it. Show me your glory. God, this is what I heard you say. This is what's happening Show me your glory. There's the answer. It makes perfect sense, doesn't it? 
How does that solve it? How does that answer the question, Moses? What is he actually asking anyway? Show me your glory. How many great songs do we hear? Or somebody saying, show me your glory. It's a glory moment. Shekinah. I'm resting in the glory. What does that mean? And, and, and if Moses is in disarray and he says, show me your glory, and God like passes by what you're going to see is coming, and he gets this little taste of God's glory, we're all looking for that all the time, right? We want to have a moment. It's, 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 it's an emotional thing anyway. Not that that's bad. I want to have emotional heart-connected encounters with God, and I'd like to do that in His presence. But the thing is, I'm not going to be able to stay there, and it's not actually going to answer the question. Because if I just have an emotional experience for a little while, I've still got a whole world of problems that I have to figure out. What's he actually asking? Is he asking for an emotional, just, just get me through this, give me a little spiritual high and I'll be fine? That's not what show me your glory means. Here's what show me your glory means. God, I heard what you said. But I want you to tell me what you're doing. I want to see what you see. I want you to reveal to me your plan, how you're going to figure this out. I want to see what you see. Show me your glory means. Show me, make me like you. Reveal your attributes to me that I can see. Because the truth of the matter is, I'm Moses, I'm the most humble man in the world, I've led these people out, but I'm having a real trust issue right now with you, God. Anyone ever been there? I have been there. And if we're honest, that's what we want from God. Gotta have faith, man. I have faith, but God, show me your plan. That's what this actually means. How do I know this? Because it's what he goes on to say after that that reveals it. And this is the beauty of this story. This is the beauty. It's not a story. It's a happening. It's a situation. This is the life-changing beauty of what happens on this mountain. Moses said, show me your glory, God. He said, I shall make my goodness pass before you. I shall call out with the name Adonai Hashem before you. I shall show favor when I choose. I shall show mercy when I choose not to. And he said, you will not be able to see my face because no human can see my face and live. Adonai said, behold, there's a place near me. You may stand on the rock. When my glory passes by, I shall place you in a cleft of the rock. I shall shield you with my hand until I have passed. Then I shall remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face cannot be seen. There's the answer. You got it? Or are you confused? Because now we really have a problem. 
Because now we're talking about the, the, we're talking about the Ein Sof in, in, in esoteric Jewish understanding, the Ein Sof, God without end, no form, no body, nothing. And yet here we have a face, hands, a back, like, yes, they're anthropomorphisms, right? Fancy word, I learned that one day. Not sure what it means, but that's what those are. God doesn't have a body. And here comes a, when I told you people are confused and they create things, here's one little one. It was Jesus. Jesus passed by there. And, and Moses, you know, he, Jesus didn't have a body then either. Jesus, part of Jesus' body came from Miriam and she wasn't around now. It's not Jesus and God himself says, it's going to be me. It's going to be the tetragrammaton. I'm doing it. And then he does it. But, but we have a, a little bit of a problem here. Unless we see this through Jewish understanding. Why Jewish understanding? Why do you always have to do that? Well, I'm a rabbi and this is a synagogue. That's what you get here. Show me your plan, God. Show me what you see. And then I can do it. Moses, I can't do that. In the words of the great sage, Jack Nicholson, you can't handle the truth. (laughs) You cannot handle what my face can see. You cannot handle the forward side of me. You can't handle all-knowing, omniscient, omnipotent, all those great words you heard in Sunday school. You can't handle that. You cannot see my face and live. Why? Because Moses, there's a parade going by. And I'm up at the top of the Empire State Building, Moses. I'm watching a 150,000-mile parade go by. And I can see everything that's going on. Because I'm here, and you're right here. And all you can see is what's happening. And you cannot handle where I am. And Isaiah 55 says it. Higher are his ways than ours. My thoughts are above your thoughts. My ways are above your ways. We also sang that song. You notice I didn't just randomly pick these songs out this morning. His ways are above our ways. Moses, you got to trust me. You can't handle it. But, and this is my favorite part, As my presence, well, back up a minute, 33.23. He says, I'll take my hand away because he's he's in the rock, right? He's in the cleft. God says, I'll shield you with my hand. We'll come right there in one second. But he says, I'll take my hand away 
and you'll see my back, but my face shall not be seen. And here again, we have another anthropomorphic problem. What is God's back? It makes perfect sense when you know what God's face is. God's back is you will only know in hindsight how much I was doing. How many of you have ever experienced a moment of the deepest confusion or a season of confusion and you look back and you say, oh God, thank you. One of my favorite phrases is gamzule tova, this too is for the good. How many of us have looked back and realized, God, you always knew what you were doing. I wouldn't have taken this path if you had revealed your face to me. And all along, God, and this makes me just want to weep because because I know so many of your stories And I know what the rock feels like. And I know the rock is not pleasant all the time, the cleft of the rock. But God says, my right hand will shield you. You can't know up front. You will know back here. But as you go through my hand is shielding you. And there are many people in this room in the cleft. And you don't know, and I don't know, and we pray together and we ask, and God doesn't show us His face. But man, we actually do get to partake of his glory. When in the midst of trial, you can rest in his presence. I love that. And that resolves all my confusion about Exodus 33. Anthropomorphisms out the window. And there's something really great that I just want to throw in as a little side note about this because it's about the power of God's presence. That's what Moses needed. He didn't really need to know the plan. He just needed to know, I will go with you. And he experienced that. But all around this story, in Exodus leading up to it and Exodus leading after it, is, is, is God's invitation to us to partake in his presence, to be connected to him, to have him. Prior to this at Sinai, the Torah is given. Everything you said, will say, will do, God. Why? Because we know when we're like you that you're, 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 you're blessed, you're honored, you're close. We can sense your presence when we're living the life that you've called us to. And then he goes into all these details upon details of the tabernacle. And what is the tabernacle? It's an invitation for God's presence to dwell with us on earth. And then he finishes just prior to the golden calf with the story of, not again, the the scripture of Shabbat. 
And what is Shabbat? Well, we don't find out right there because then we have to have this golden calf thing happen. And Moses gets the tablets the second time. And what's the first instruction he gives the people? Six days you shall labor, but the seventh shall be a day of rest. Why? It's what I call the Shabbat sandwich. In the middle is the nasty, dirty, unkosher beef of the golden calf. But on either side in the story, Shabbat and Shabbat. Why? Why? Because Exodus 33 is the story so clearly revealed of the power of God's presence. What is Shabbat? Shabbat is an invitation every single week in your homes last night, in this room today, in your homes when you go home and tonight, to invite God's presence. A weekly reminder that says, I will go with you. And then he continues, and it's the tabernacle. And then the tabernacle is filled up, and God's presence is there, and it's totally awesome. But all of this is in an effort for God to know that come hell or high water, literally, he's going to go with you. You're not going to know. And even you couldn't know. What did you guys talk about at Shabbat? Well, the rabbi quoted Jack Nicholson. Huh, I'll, never, I'll never go there. You can't handle the truth, but man, God's glory revealed to you his presence. And you know, the truth is, it's, it's, it's this simple. Are you confused? Anyone? It's It's simple. When things are really hard, we want to see God's face. Because he's going to tell us exactly what to do. Doesn't work that way. Seeing his back is not a bad thing. It's not a punishment. But most importantly, no matter what is going on in your life, recognize that. Rest in the cleft of the rock as his hand shields you and protects you. And one day, you will emerge triumphant. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. We hope you enjoyed the weekly teaching. We'd love to hear from you with a comment, a prayer request, or questions you might have. We believe the mission and message of Messianic Judaism is something the world needs now. If you enjoy these teachings, would you consider financially supporting the work of Nachamu Ami by visiting our website at www.makinmessianic.com and clicking the Give Online button in the upper right corner. Thank you again for listening.